Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We all all share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. So if you haven't heard, NRCM has a new CEO. Rebecca Sanders started in late January, bringing with her that winter weather that many of us have been eagerly anticipating for skiing, snowshoeing, and so many other fun winter activities. Although I will say that cold's coming, cold is coming, maybe a little too much for most of us. Um, I'm your host, Colin Durant, and in this episode of Frontline Voices, we'll be joined by, by Rebecca so our listeners and supporters can learn more about her and her passion for protecting Maine's environment. Rebecca, we're so excited you're here and I'm thrilled you could join us for the podcast. Thanks, Colin. It is a real pleasure to be here. It's been a a wonderful first week. Um, Thanks for having me on. Well, so as you just said, you're a week into the new job. I'm sure you've I'm I'm sure you've solved everything. Not that there's anything to solve actually, but how's (laughs) how's it going after that first week? It's great, you know, I arrived in Maine from Chicago with the snow, which was a perfect Maine greeting. I feel like it made it feel really real that I'm here in Maine. Um, And as we speak, I have a little bit of snow flying around me out in Phippsburg where I'm staying. I have, you know, I really enjoyed the first week. We have an extremely talented team and dedicated board. I'm learning about our passionate members and how they have been so important in the work that we do. We had a really busy week last week with the announcements about a new bill for wind in the Gulf of Maine and um, a busy legislative session ahead of us. So I'm really feel like I dived right in. Yeah. Hit the ground running. Absolutely. For sure. No um, other way to do it. Yeah. And sort of as you alluded to, you're taking the helm of NRCM at a really exciting time. We've seen a lot of progress over the past couple of years, over the past couple of legislative sessions and beyond. But of course, there are challenges that remain. So I'm curious why you were drawn to NRCM at this time, at this moment in your life. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I think we should acknowledge that NRCM has this incredible 60-year legacy, right? It is an organization that was built um, by and for the grassroots, and I find that really inspiring, and I'm really honored to be here to take the helm of the organization and work with everybody across the state to advance our work. You know, I have worked across the country on uh, environmental and policy and conservation issues. And I think uh, one of the things that's really exciting to me about NRCM is that it is a state-based organization. We've seen the power of the states to really advance environmental policy over the past decade in particular, not only to protect uh, attempts to roll back environmental protections, but to really advance policies that we haven't seen so much on the federal level. So the states are the leads and uh, across the country, and I'm really excited to see what NRCM has been doing to lead us forward. I think it's a model for how we can work um, not only here, but how people can work across the country. And, and a big part of that, I think, is um, Maine is a little different. You know, environment and conservation and Uh, protecting the natural world is not really a political issue here. It is a true main value. That is something special that we have that really allows us to come together across the sort of political lines to really do what we need to keep Maine special and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so right. The, 
you know, the, bi the, the climate goals we have, bipartisan climate goals, we had unanimous support for clean water protections in the last late of se legislative session. It does allow us to achieve so much together, right? Yeah, that's something that is really special about Maine and we should celebrate. Nice. Um, I love celebrating things. <laughs> um, so I think our listeners, you just alluded to this, but I, I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your past work. You come to NRCM most recently from National Audubon. Um, so just tell us what, what were you working on there? What, what was your gig? Sure. Um, well, I had several, so I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit about sort of the two different spectrums that I worked at National Audubon. So I was there for almost a decade, and I started uh, in a Chicago office, so I'm from Chicago originally. And there I built that office out into a Great Lakes team where we worked across five states, really focused on clean water and and of course, because we're Audubon birds. So um, I mobilized thousands of grassroots supporters around issues for birds, for wetland restoration, and for healthy communities. And all of that was, of course, undergirded by the, the consequences and urgency around climate. Mm. Um, we did a lot of work with diverse communities that were often not included in environmental conversations and priority setting. One of the things that I love about that local work in Chicago was, uh, and then the Great Lakes, was that our community engagement staff um, could reduce what we were saying to, could simplify it to say, so we're, when they were talking to communities, so we're going to have cleaner water, more birds, and drier basements. And I really <laughs> love that, you know, these big goals that we could have, we could make them very, very personal mm. for the people that we were serving. Right. Um, I also then worked across the country as the chief strategy and field officer for National Audubon. So Audubon has uh, several dozen state offices or regional offices across the country. My job was to really work with them to set environmental priorities and conservation plans that took into account advocacy goals, conservation and protection efforts. And then of course, community sort of resiliency and engagement efforts. Mm. My belief is that you can't really have a strong and durable solution for a healthy environment unless you include community voice and the work that you're doing is resonant for people. And so that was you know, really what I brought to Audubon and I'm excited to bring here to NRCM. Yeah, and such important, such important experience to bring to NRCM, especially Thanks. given that we're this like statewide, we, we're really a statewide organization. We're trying to, you know, immerse ourselves in as many communities as we can to, like you said, listen, learn from them and inform our decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, you didn't just work at Audubon. You have a long career that's that's mm -hmm. really cool. I love the trajectory, learning about the trajectory of it. So what what else would you like, you know, our listeners to know about your past work, about your your career at, you know, as you're heading into NRCM? Oh, sure. So that's a great question. So I think um, you'll hear me talk a lot when I'm, I'm out and about about people and communities. That's really important to me. I am actually an anthropologist with an ecological training. Mm -hmm. And so I like to think a lot about how people and the environment interact. Um, and, you know, some of that started off by some experiences that I had here in Maine when I launched my career right out of grad school. But um, I carried that throughout, you know, through work with diverse communities. I, in Chicago in particular, I launched an organization called the Chicago Cultural Alliance, which is a coalition of 
I think now it's uh, maybe 60 or 70 different ethnic community organizations and the major institutions across the metropolitan area that work together to advance community voice, not only in cultural programming and engaging people in diverse issues, but then in like planning efforts like the Chicago Climate Action Plan, where instead of a top-down plan, we worked with the city of Chicago to identify some ways that different communities can contribute based on traditional practices to mm. reducing climate threats in, in the city and the metro area. Um, that work with those communities really has helped shape me and in understanding that in and within communities, uh, there are lots of different voices and power structures, and we really have to take time to listen and understand who the people are and what the community wants to be able to do our jobs to serve them. Here, here, I love, I love that. Um, so, you just you just mentioned you st you actually started yeah. your career here in Maine. I did tra traversing the state. Um, tell us what you learned from that experience. Yeah, you know, I mean, how lucky am I that uh, I was able to move to Maine when I was in my mid-20s and mm. have this experience working for the University of Maine system for the Gear Up program, which is the college access program, where I really traveled from southern Maine all the way up to Aroostook County, out to Machias, into the mountains. Mm. So, I mean, first and foremost, right, I got to see all of Maine and it's glorious beauty mm -hmm. um, that was pretty remarkable and, and certainly became a strong pull to return to Maine. Um, but that work was also community centered, right? That's so, I, again, you'll hear this theme for um, the work that I love to do and really what drives me. So I learned a lot about working with community and about Maine's communities. You know, I think mm. um, I learned that Maine has this sort of stick to itness, right? We, we understand that we need to work together to solve our challenges. Mm. I, um, I also really got to understand sort of that practical nature of, of Maine. We're looking for solutions that work, not just, it's not just based on principle, but it's really about um, what do we need to do to survive today and into the future and how can we support each other in that work? Um, and that I think is really, again, it's unique to Maine. It's, it's mm. communities scattered throughout this beautiful state that really strongly identify um, with themselves and want to support each other uh, in, in building a strong future. Yeah. You know, one of the stories that I think about all the time that sort of exemplifies that, first of all, that sounds like a cool job traveling all It was a great I, job. I would love, um, is, is, you know, we worked, the NRCM worked with lots of partners, especially local advocates to pass, um, uh, uh, to prohibit uh, single-use plastic bags. Mm -hmm. And as the deadline for that came up, there were all these news stories about local stores that had already transi transitioned away from plastic yeah. bags. Like they weren't waiting for the deadline because it was the right thing to do. Like they didn't, you know, and I, I feel like that is such, that's such a great um, example, I think of what, like what, both the, that ethic, you know, that value for our, our environment, but also just the sort of like practical nature the the um and so that's always one of the stories that um I I, I like to think a lot about um yeah I love it, that I think it's not it's not just a um it's not a top down solution right it really was a bottom up uh, action mm -hmm. um so as you've begun let's shift a little bit more to 
NRCM just now, as you begun to learn about our organization, learn about NRCM and the work we do with Maine people, um, what's something that's really stuck out to you about the organization, about our work or about our mission? I think I'd go back to that stick to itness, right? Mm. That um, that NRCM really works with communities that came from that grassroots effort to identify some key key work that needed to be done for the future of the environment and that we stick with it. Mm. If there's something that doesn't pass the first time around, we're not going to necessarily take our foot off the pedal, but we're also going to make sure we understand why it uh, why it didn't work and adjust our strategy. And, you know, again, if there's some challenges in community or something doesn't work for a set of constituents, we want to understand that and, and um, change our strategy. So, or adjust our strategy, I should say. So I think that is one of the things that um, mm. has really impressed me when I look at the long-term work, especially say on healthy rivers and waters and dam removal, that's not a project that takes place over a couple of months or even a couple of years. That's decades worth of work. And mm. NRCM has remained committed from the beginning to that work. And, um, and now that as we're addressing climate, we know that is not a sort of flash in the pan topic. This is going to be something that we need to deal with for the rest of our lives and, mm -hmm. and for future generations. And our CM has been there in the past. We're gonna be there in the future. And I'm really excited to work on these big, big issues. So memo to everyone, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> not that we were, but um, I, I love that. And I think Moosehead's another great example, right? Yeah. The organization work with the local community to oppose that Plum Creek plan, that massive plan. And this sort of chapter closed recently when Melanie, our, our forest and wildlife director, worked um, uh, uh, with the local community on the new regional plan that was developed. That was sort of, and that's a great example. Like that was right. over- a period of time and really, like you said, seeing uh, uh, seeing projects through and learning and adjusting as we go. Right, and doing it in a way that makes sense for the, the people that use and live in those spaces, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. the other piece about Moosehead. It wasn't uh, a solution made in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. It was made with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so important. So I've heard you talk a lot about how your parents helped instill this connection to nature and the outdoors. Um, I, I had a similar experience, grew up exploring the outdoors, a lot of time in Maine, actually. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners did too. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So my parents, um, my parents met working in the steel mills on the south side of Chicago. And actually, when I talk about that wetland work that I did um, and at National Audubon, one of the special things about that for me was that I was able to uh, work in some of the areas that uh, my family for generations had helped to pollute by their by their work in you know the steel mills, but they really wanted to make sure that um, being outdoors was it was an important part of my life. Uh, so from the time I was a baby, I would be out with them hiking and camping. We had a, a little pop up camper that would take us all over the country. That's one of the nice things about growing up in Chicago. You can get to either coast in a couple of days. Um, and so the first, you know, I've just found some pictures that in these slides that we've digitized of me as a baby in a backpack uh, in uh, the Grand Tetons National Park. And then we've just shared one on social media when I was about two or three years old here in Acadia, 
um, they really wanted me to be outdoors. And so that was something that inspired my curiosity. They helped me to learn um, and explore and feel confident in those spaces. And it has been a great joy for me when I've had children, I have three, to be able to bring them outside too. So you know, people often ask me, well, what do you do outside of work? And I say, I go outside. That's, that's how we spend our time as a family. We like to be hiking or skiing or exploring. Um, it's something that brings us together. And um, I'm really excited to say my, my eldest child, my daughter is in college and she is studying environmental science. And so Yay. it's, I think, a, a value that we've instilled. Um, of course, we've been really lucky to do that. And I'm fortunate that my parents had the opportunities to invest in me getting outside. I'd love to find opportunities for more other, uh, for other communities. Oftentimes people don't have those opportunities. And so I think that's a priority for us to think about how do we get more and more people outside? It's, it's so important to, to experience it. Once you experience it, you want to protect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talked a little bit, you, you early on, I, early on in your career, you worked here in Maine. I know you've You've returned to Maine lots of times with your family. I realized I asked, I, I forgot to ask earlier one of my one of my favorite questions, which is, is there sort of a Maine moment or a memory that sort of stands out that sort of stands out to you? I mean, we have lot, we all have lots. That's the great thing about Maine. But I wonder if there's one that you just think a lot about that that you wanted to share. You know, a lot of my um, my favorite memories are when I am with my family. And um, thinking about, you know, what are, what are those main stories? You and I have talked about the first time I saw a moose when I was yeah. up in Aristic County and it ran by me on the road and I was amazed by how huge it was. Um, but I will tell a recent story, which I think, uh, I think is kind of a neat little um, example of my family. So we were in, um, in Southern Maine this fall for Thanksgiving. So my, my husband grew up in uh, coastal New Hampshire and we were able to spend some time in Maine and we're hiking as we often are and came across our first porcupine, which is maybe not the most charismatic animal or I would have never thought it was, but we had never seen one. And so everybody gathered around to watch it climbing we thought it was coming up a tree, but actually what it was doing was falling out of the tree. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so there was a lot of exclamations like, oh, no. And then it got up and moved along. Yeah. But it's um, really like we love to be outside and explore. And that's something that I would say we we would never see in, you know, in the city of Chicago. It's yeah. I think it was one of those moments where it clicked for everybody. This is where we're going to be. And this yeah. is this is a type of stuff that we're going to get to do. It's um the experiences of Maine. It was a, a nice opening for us. Oh my God, I love that. I'm not sure I've ever seen a porcupine actually. It, so they're I'm actually to... really cute. Very, yeah. very cute. I wouldn't want to get close to it, but it was adorable. No, stay far away. Yeah, that's one of those ones you don't really want to play with. <laughs> uh, wouldn't make a good pet. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we talked about sort of instilling this, you know, this love of the outdoors and, and you passing it down to your family and, and how it got instilled in you from your parents. Um, you know, we, lots of people love to go outdoors, not, uh, and then some people commit their lives to conservation work, to environmental protection. You're one of those people, uh, you know, all of our colleagues here at NRCM and many others in Maine do that too. I'm curious about why you chose 
this path. So why you chose to work in conservation, which like I said, is, you know, it's, it's different, like committing your life, your professional life to it, uh, yeah. than, than, um, ex, you know, sort of exploring it. Yeah. I think, um, it goes back to something I just said, you know, you need to be, I feel deep responsibility for taking care of the things that I love. And I love, um, being outside. Mm -hmm. I am so, inspired by the beauty of the outdoors that I feel responsibility to make it a better place. And I've known that for a good portion of my life that this was, you know, when I was growing up, that this was always going to be part of my life and um, was able to explore that a little bit more in college. Um, I did some research in grad school that was really foundational to how I think about conservation. I was in a cloud forest in Southern Mexico and I had gone out to study spider monkeys. I was taking a census of the spider monkey population in this biosphere reserve because we weren't sure if there were any that were left. Mm. And it was unbelievably beautiful, even though it was rainy season. So it was pretty mucky when we were, would be hiking around. And I did find some monkeys a couple of times. So they were very unhappy to see me. Um, but what, what I learned in that was one, as much as I admired Diane Fossey and all of the um, amazing women primatologists, I realized I couldn't deal with the isolation of being my, myself for months or years at a time. Mm. And also my spending time outside of that biosphere reserve, I saw how challenging it was to keep people outside of a protected area and not include them in its preservation. Mm -hmm. People were really denuding the areas right around the park um, for subsistence farming. And there was just not really a way for them to engage in the benefits of the park or shaping its future. And I realized instead of fun um, focusing on the monkeys, which were really important and a lot of fun to be able to study, I really needed to think about how we would bring people into the solution for mm. uh, the future of our natural areas. And um, that's really helped shape my trajectory of how I wanna spend my time uh, in my career. Mm, that's wonderful. So um, moving forward, you, you're a weekend. Uh, moving forward, what do what do your next few months look like? Yeah, I you know my next few months are really focused on listening and learning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that theme of community and people. I don't believe that uh, an an organization or a leader should really uh, forge ahead without taking the time to understand the people that it serves. And so I, I plan to spend a lot of time with our amazing grassroots um, set of advocates, mm. our uh, membership, our board and our staff to understand what kind of future that we want and what we think that we can move forward over the next five years. I really am focused on building a more inclusive and representative NRCM. I wanna make sure that we are creating space for the, that next generation or that next sets of generations that will be shaping, because what we do today is shaping their future and thinking about um, the breadth of Maine's communities, uh, not only geographically and thinking that we wanna make sure that we have different voices, but also politically and make sure that um, as Maine's diversity grows, that we have places um, that we prioritize for everybody to participate. Mm. 
Sounds good to me. Um, I would love to, yeah, let's go. Um, (laughs) uh, I would love to just wrap this up um, by asking what gives you hope? Like what drives you to get up and do the work that you do every day? Yeah, I think um, I, I use this principle of, you know, we, we need nature as people and nature needs us to be its voice. It can't, it can't protect itself. It's resilient, um, but it really needs advocates. And so what inspires me is that I'm not alone every day, mm. right? I, you know, we go into the office and we see how excited the team is at NRCM. You go into um, different meetings and different sessions, and you can just see how much energy there is around building a strong, healthy environment for the future. That's what energizes me. It's um, that when there are challenges, people aren't quiet anymore. People are really stepping forward, and NRCM has really made that possible in Maine for the last 60 years, and we've got at least another 60 or 100 to go. Yeah, let's go. Um, well, Rebecca, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I know I speak for everyone here at NRCM that we're very much looking forward to working with you to achieve that vision of listening and learning from people across the state so we can build a healthier environment for everyone. So thanks again, Rebecca, for joining us. Thanks, Colin. It was um, a joy to be here. Yeah. And it won't be the last time. I'm, I'm sure we'll I can't have wait you to come on. Back. Good. Um, Well, before we go, I wanted to note um, that many of you might have noticed a bonus addition to the podcast last week. We posted the audio recording of a press conference NRCM held with a broad coalition of partners, including labor leaders, scientists, students from UMaine, and other conservation groups. We were announcing a bill sponsored by Senator Mark Lawrence that would give a big boost to offshore wind development in the Gulf of Maine over the next decade. Rebecca talked about that earlier in the podcast. So we hope you enjoyed listening to the bonus post. I really found those UMaine students who are working at the offshore wind lab up there so inspiring. It's awesome to see young people coming to Maine, staying in Maine to work in the clean energy industry and just like hear their passion for it. Um, So please be sure to visit our website at nrcm.org to learn more about our work to develop floating offshore wind energy uh, in the Gulf of Maine. And as always, thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you did, please give us a great review on whatever podcast app you're listening on and be sure to share it with your family, friends, and neighbors. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline Frontline Voices. Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.